Welcome to the High Value Customer Podcast, the show for business leaders to learn how to attract and retain high value customers. This week's guest is Andre Pivulescu. Hopefully I got that right. Co-founder of Q-Team Software Solutions based in Bucharest in Romania. How are you doing today? Are you well? Hey, hey, Chris. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me. Uh, the name was pronounced correctly, so <laughs> thank you for trying. <laughs> I, I, try, I did try my best. My, uh, <laughs> yes. Roma- my Romanian accent's probably a little bit rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's through the same uh, the same way the, the, the other way it's okay <laughs> so um let's let's kick things off can you give us um a bit of your backstory and let us know how you have uh, got to where you got to in your career so far yeah sure uh so i started in uh, software about 12 years ago uh i started as a uh, software tester. I still am a software tester, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's probably uh, it's a high probability that we can work together if uh, you're looking for software testing services, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mainly worked in uh, web applications and mobile applications, uh, from e-commerce to banking, uh, banking software. Uh, so I've been around uh, for a while in the whole e-web. Uh, uh, space, let's say. Um, I've been a lead uh, for several teams, uh, teams up to 20, 20 plus uh, people for uh, well-known international companies. Um, other than that, uh, I try to give back uh, to the community as much as I can. Uh, I'm also co-founder of the testing camp uh, community. It's called Tabra Testare in <laughs> Romanian but this translated testing camp. Easy for you uh, to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but let, uh, it's basically testing camp translated in English. Uh, it's been around for uh, eight years now uh, and it has around uh, 5K uh, as the number of members okay. uh, inside the association. And we're trying to do monthly meetups where we basically share knowledge and ideas and uh, anything that can help. Um, and uh, besides my uh, personal career for the last four years and uh, a half, um, started Q-Team, Software Solutions is called. Um, we've been working on different types of projects uh, for mostly US-based companies. Uh, from e-learning apps, uh, digital marketplaces, um, social media platforms, marketing <laughs> management platforms. And for example, right now, uh, we have a project uh, in the pharma industry, uh, helping them uh, enable their e-commerce uh, capabilities. Um, we st- I think we started the Q-team by... Um, seeing what went well uh, in our careers, basically. Um, and I think we, we wanted to uh, emphasize those things in our core values, basically, as a company, like uh, transparency, being able to adapt to the uh, changing uh, projects, because uh, it's not just like a straight line. A project is not a straight line and you, you need to be able to adapt. Um, about Q-Team, I would say that uh, it's not a classical uh, outsourcing company. 
we think of ourselves more like a consultancy company in the sense that um, we want to become our clients' partners, uh, not just being vendors. Um, we want to help as much as we can. We had like management roles for some of the companies uh, where we helped uh, define processes and even help with the company strategy if we could. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a short, uh, <laughs> short summary of my, uh, my career, uh, career so far. So talk to me a little bit about who your ideal customer is and, you know, think about your ideal customer in terms of like, you know, if you had 10 out of 10, a customer that came knocking on your door, who would that be? Who would that perfect customer be who, you know, you love working for them and they love working with you? Um, I think for our ideal customers, we look at two things. Uh, the first one would be, uh, let's say the personality. Uh, and I would explain uh, just a second. And uh, the second one, the business side. So well, let's start with the personality uh, part. It's basically, we try to, uh, our ideal customer and what we're trying to find is um, people like us in the sense that they have the same uh, core values that I was mentioning, like uh, being transparent, able to adapt um, and uh, I don't do good through their software, let's say, right? Like having cool projects like we want. Uh, so that would be the, uh, the personality part of our ideal customer. And in terms of business, I would say uh, our ideal customer would be uh, someone from the startup ecosystem uh, with at least one or two uh, fundraising is done like series A, series B hmm. um, because um, mainly uh, they already have their idea validated um, they uh, started having customers and uh, they reach a point when where they realize they need our help or they need help with a let's say custom, custom uh, solution and I think uh, we can help scaling up their business or helping them with the, the solution. Would they typically have their own in-house team that you supplement or are you kind of uh, replacing like freelancers that they might be working with? Like what would the, um, what these ideal customers have in terms of some kind of technological so, capabilities? Um, because our ideal customer would have raised, let's say, uh, some money. Um, yeah. Typically, they have their uh, in-house. Uh, they have some in-house uh, mm. capabilities. But we work with both type uh, of, uh, of customers, uh, mm -hmm. both with a team and without a team. So we actually, for one client, we, we were the IT team, let's say. Mm. <laughs> right? So, but uh, we have some ongoing projects where we're uh, part of the team. I don't want to say addition because mm. we're not just an addition. That, that's why I was saying, because we're, we're not looking for uh, small projects where, I don't know, we can stay like one or two months and never talk again. That's mm. <laughs> so we really believe in becoming a partner. So yeah. would you, um, if you think about your, your customers that you're currently working with, would you say they're more, do they have like a technical co-founder or, or are they typically someone who hasn't got a technical co-founder? Uh, 
let's say they have a CTO at least. Mm. <laughs> Even if, if he's not a co-founder, but he was uh, uh, brought in uh, from an early stage. Mm. So, uh, so, so the, they, the they have got some kind of sh- like high-level strategic technological yeah. direction yes. that they want to go in, and you're kind of helping to resource up that vision, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yes. Mm. Yeah. So the people that um, uh, work with you guys, are they sort of like debating whether they should do it in-house or outsource it? Or do they just, do they already know that they don't want to do it in-house? They want to they, you uh, know, get this work done through a third party. Like, like for example, uh, uh, we had projects like uh, it was discussed from the very beginning. At some point, they will have that in-house, but... Uh, uh, until they uh, recruit, uh, hire, and so on, and uh, find, the, let's say, the right price. Uh, mm. uh, US uh, is not that cheap, uh, as you probably already know. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we can help until then, let's say, or then continue with uh, both our team and their team, or as I mentioned, we're the team, basically, in mm. maybe a certain area or as a whole. Depends, uh, depends on the project. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, a lot of your clients are in the US. So um, uh, there's uh, another company I, I've been talking to that um, do kind of what they would consider it near shore outsourcing as opposed to, you know, India or, or one of those kind of companies and um, or countries, sorry. Um, so I'd imagine that sort of trend of people who are maybe slightly closer to you in terms of time zone and maybe slightly closer to you in terms of culture and, and sort of fit. Uh, and imagine that's the kind of, um, the kind of trends that your, your companies are part of, I assume. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, even if the most of our projects are uh, with the US based companies, uh, that doesn't mean we're not looking for, uh, let's say Western Europe or the, uh, even something in Romania. And we mm. actually started the project uh, with a company from Romania. So that's, mm. uh, really, it's, it's, a, it's our first actually. So that's really nice to, uh, to do. Um, it was easier for us to start in US, let's say. Mm. Uh, that's the, the main reason. And uh, also the companies that we worked for before Q-Team uh, had US-based projects. And this is how we got to meet uh, a lot of people basically so, so it was it was easier for us to start in the us it's you sometimes it's usually the other way around yeah but uh, yeah so do you do you find yourself in like competitive sales situations with other so for example there's a company in the us looking to get some development done do you find yourself competing with other companies in in europe or do you find yourself competing with you know a company um that's maybe in different regions in the world like what are the other people that are involved in that tendering process like i i think we we have a lot of competition also from romania i mean uh, i wouldn't go even uh, that far not talking about uh, let's say ukraine uh, ukraine is on the rise of uh, working more with us-based uh, customers from my talks with uh, with people from there so Definitely, there's a lot of competition mm. in uh, in consultancy. Mm. Of course, um, we try to be a little bit different, and hope that helps us um, uh, have an advantage. Let's say, like so, our experience, 
or similar issues with the uh, US. Uh, the partner part that I mentioned, we actually uh, go to the client site. Like for, the, for example, we had a project where uh, they came to Romania twice a year and twice a year we went to, uh, to US. Mm. So yeah, another project like we sent one of our employee and again, to meet the team, to be part of the team. And, yeah. So was you clear on who your ideal customer was when you first started the business or has it evolved over the, the time that you've been in, in business? Uh, so uh, <coughs> I think we, we had an idea uh, about what our ideal customer was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it evolved uh, as we grew uh, our customer base, let's mm-hmm. say. And we had more experience with more companies. Uh, but I think we, we were a little bit lucky uh, in the sense that uh, our first uh, ideal uh, uh, customer uh, was actually our first customer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, it was basically it was basically the first customer that set up the threshold uh, for our next uh, ideal customer. So, um, it, I was talking about that that partner part and um, being really involved in that company. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if we were, let's say, vendors, uh, helped us a lot. Uh, I don't know from participating in sales pitches to business strategies to so it was a, a wonderful customer. It stayed like three years and a half with us. So it was a, it it was a really nice first customer. Let's say. So it sounds um, like from what you told me about your backstory that you you were already quite uh, involved with your ideal customer before you started your company and you was already, you know, perhaps working for somebody else or was it, I don't know if you was a freelancer or was you was working on the payroll of another company, but you was ultimately working for a similar kind of company so that you already quite, you understood that com- that type of company, who your ideal yeah. customer was before you started the business. So you started your own company and started to tender for your own work. So is that, is that, is that, is that right? Yeah. So basically when we started the company, we started with this client. Mm-hmm. We already had talks before, I don't know, doing the papers mm-hmm. <laughs> of the company, like registration of the company. And we were, we were really lucky about that. We were thinking about it for a long time and we had the opportunity and we took it. <laughs> and so, so- uh, so when you first started, like how, how many people were, were involved in that first client? Was it, is it just yourself or was there anyone else involved at the time? Uh, uh, we were two. 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 And uh, we had to grow uh, in one month with five people. <laughs> so uh-huh. it was uh, really interesting scaling that up. And um, uh, um, I like the idea that um, continued on, uh, on other projects uh, whenever we needed to scale up. We actually were really good at it and uh, surprise, surprisingly uh, sometimes in the sense that uh, there are a lot of factors uh, around uh, scaling up uh, the stuff so uh, things uh, went pretty well given the circumstances but um, I think we're, we're good at that <laughs> but uh, that's uh, where Christina uh, my co-founder helps uh, a lot she has a uh, uh, HR background and 
really helps a lot when we need to help scale. So if you need, uh, you know, an extra, I don't know, a couple of developers to work on a new project, um, you've kind of nailed how you go about, you know, recruiting them and bringing them on board and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I've been doing that as a lead on projects. We know what we, we look for, um, what to look for. We actually have like a pretty defined process uh, in that sense, we have, uh, uh, especially on the HR part, not necessarily the technical part, mm-hmm. uh, like red flags to <laughs> to see and stuff like that. And we also, what we do, uh, if uh, is needed and if the client wants, if the client, let's say, it's one that uh, wants an addition to his team, we usually uh, have them participate in the in the interviews as well. Okay. They have a round of, uh, of interview with the candidate. That's good. So I, I think it's really important uh, to, to align uh, both Q-team and uh, the, the client's team. I guess, I guess um, you know, if, if you're going to be, you know, working closely as part of a team in another com- company, then, you know, that, that kind of round of interviews where that company gets a chance to see who the person is and make sure exactly. they're a good fit is quite quite an essential part and the other way around uh, even for candidates uh, uh, they have a glimpse uh, at the project they're going to be in the company that they're basically going to be part of in in a way Uh, so i think it's important for for everybody to get along let's say it sounds like you you work on fairly long-term projects so you know it's not like they're going to start doing one project and then next week switch to something else exactly They'll, they'll probably be you know, like part of that team for a, you know, a number of months or even years, I guess. So it's yep. definitely uh, important to get a good fit. Yep. So talk to me um, a little bit about what you think the future looks like for your ideal customers. So, so think about, you know, the, the sort of the ideal customers that we've been talking about and what does the next kind of five or 10 years look like for them? What's the sort of trends that you, you see them needing to know about and understand uh, so at the beginning of the uh, the talk, we, we discussed the industries uh, that we've been involved, and I uh, and I think uh, there was a lot of growth for them during this period. Uh, I mean, not many industries were <laughs> that lucky during uh, this crazy year, but uh, for them there was a lot of growth, mm. and um, I think. Um, they're going to grow. <laughs> this is uh, what we think. And um, uh, what's interesting for me is that uh, I think the future uh, or this whole situation we're in, uh, it's basically going to help us uh, have uh, our next ideal customers, let's say. So um, I believe that uh, the COVID-19 crisis basically uh, enabled the forced digitalization, basically. So uh, that's, uh, that means uh, um, more growth for potential ideal customers and for us as, as well. I mean, I, I, as, as a business, we, we've chosen to, to work 100% remote as a result of the COVID-19 situation. Like we obviously was forced to do it in the short term, but we all quite liked it. Uh, hence, I'm, I'm sitting in an upstairs bedroom and not in a, uh, an office at the minute. But um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. The, um, 
it has kind of forced people to sort of look at their systems and processes and technology and sort of try to embrace new ways of doing things and new ways of serving customers. And I'd imagine like it creates a whole wealth of new problems that, you know, a company like yours is going to be there to support and try and figure out how to, how to, you know, get them to evolve. Yeah, I just want to mention that I'm all alone at the office. This is my, <laughs> my only quiet place. <laughs> so uh, that's why I'm at the office. But we uh, wanted to mention that we, you know, we work remotely uh, whenever it was needed. Before it was cool, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I miss the guys, uh, seeing the guys. Yeah, but. Uh, we have uh, meetings uh, with the Zoom calls and so on, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, you were mentioning that they're seeing a lot of, okay, we're not in the office uh, anymore, but for sure we can, I don't know, automate some of the process, uh, find some solutions to uh, to not waste time on stuff that it's rather... Uh, monotone let's say or boring or, um, and I, I think this is uh, the coronavirus crisis had a lot of, uh, of uh, doing with I mean I know it's 2020 but uh, yeah there, I think there are a lot of companies uh, around that uh, are not uh, are not yet digital let's say mm. So uh, it kind of brings us on nicely to perhaps where your business fits in with that future. So you spoke a lot about um, how companies need to change and they're sort of forced to evolve. And uh, I imagine there must be a lot of problems that people are um, uh, now finding that they've got that I, I assume you would be, you know, part of trying to figure out what that solution is like where, where, where do you see yourself fitting in do, do you think they do you help them figure out what the problems are or do you think that they already know what the problems are and that they you just I, I, think, I think it's uh, part of both of them in the sense like uh, people usually uh, say they need x but they actually uh, that x it's uh, a little bit bigger <laughs> And a little bit complex, <laughs> and uh, we try to to find the solution for what they actually want and mm. the implementation as well, from my point of view. Um, and uh, I don't know an example of a talk that w- we had at some point was, uh, for example, with a construction company. Uh, they basically wanted uh, to automate some of the process, and it was really nice to see that. Usually, it's a uh, I know when you think about the construction company, you think more about the physical hands-on work. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- this is just a one. Of, uh, so, what were the things that they were looking to automate? I'm assuming it wasn't laying bricks. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, <laughs> probably, that's probably going to be robots for that. Uh, yeah. I think I, I saw some uh, stock shelving uh, robots. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It could be from. Uh, something having to do with documents or how they are sent or mm. basically give, I know, a price estimation or mm. stuff like that. Mm. I mean, not doing all the, all the work in a spreadsheet or something like that. 
I, I guess, hand. yeah, I, I guess the, uh, if you can look for parts of uh, somebody's job, which I suppose ultimately need to be done, but don't add a huge amount of value, like sort of administrational tasks or kind of yeah. pushing this bit of paper from this person to this person. And it, it kind of frees up the person to add more value. Um, what, how do you feel about, um, you know, kind of AI um, replacing people? Like what, what was your take be on people that are concerned that the technology is going to re- replace people? What would you say to someone who thinks uh, that? I think uh, AI ML is going to help us, not going to replace us. And mm. I think um, I was mentioning that I'm a software tester. And at some point uh, there were some discussions saying that, uh, for example, software testers will be replaced by AI ML. And then uh, that backfired to the story where uh, uh, ATM replaced uh, the guys from the counter, right? But uh, they went on another job. Uh, they adapted, basically. Mm. So I think that that would uh, would happen. I, I mean, if you don't, if you still want to do that job, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're clear, the same job that, uh, basically you're uh, replaced by I don't know some RPA robot let's say mm. uh, you're gonna be out of a job but uh, if you I think people are gonna be offered the opportunities to do something else or something connected with what they were doing mm. I mean I don't think there's a job that doesn't evolve I mean my job has evolved in since 12 years ago right but uh, you need to adapt and uh, use uh, <laughs> use what's basically helping you from my uh, from my point of view. Uh, for example, I like the example uh, I like the example with chatbots, right? Uh, chatbots are there, are helping, right? There's not a guy from customer support, let's say, anymore. Mm. Sometimes it's frustrating for <laughs> for users. Depends on the chatbots, uh, but. I think uh, there's a there's a lot of room for AI ML like natural language processing, uh, image recognition, and image recognition, video recognition is one of the let's say uh, most uh, advanced one from the ML AI part. Um, I still think we're a long way from people being replaced everywhere. I don't think that's gonna happen or not too soon until uh, uh, Terminator shows up. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think that, that we're seeing a lot of work around this area and we're really interested in that. And we actually did work on image recognition, NLP and stuff like that. So that's really cool to see. And it's uh, really cool to see that um, uh, the cloud providers are offering more and more uh, solutions uh, around that area, like AWS has a lot of AI ML stuff. So um, you probably don't need to necessarily be an expert in AI to utilize some of the, the sort of tools that Amazon might have that you could you know, send a document off to, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I might be wildly wrong, I'm not a developer, but I, I assume that there's services that uh, people at Amazon provide where you could, you know, ping a, a document over to Amazon's uh, tool and it will do whatever it is that you need to do, look for the name or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like for example, there's a service like where you send the PDF and it extract the, the text from there. Mm. Oh. 
So I suppose as a as a developer, you can utilize all of these kind of building blocks, and, and your your role is not necessarily to write the bit of code that does that job. It's more to sort of tie it all together and understand the business case and which ones should you bolt together. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you need to write some code around yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. because uh, because of the different uh, types of businesses, right? Like, for sure, you're gonna have a case where you need to treat another scenario or something like that. Mm. Like, yeah, I mean, but uh, it's easier now in the sense that you don't have to write the, the whole uh, the, that whole part that let's say interprets the PDF. Mm. Right, so, like so you, you can extract the data, send it to email, send it whatever in your CRM or. So I, I guess um, you don't need to make the tool. You just need to figure out how to apply the tool. So you're not yeah. making a hammer. You're just figuring out where to hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that's really important. If if you have the tools and you don't know how to use them, <laughs> they're kind of useless. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. So talk to me about um, what is the value that you are selling to your ideal customers? Like what, what's, what is the ultimate ROI of, of working with um, QT? Um, I think that, uh, at least from the feedback that we got so far, mm. it's like, uh, like people that work with us uh, have already high expectations about our work. I mean, uh, if we're in a project there's high expectations uh, about our work and what we try to do is basically exceed those expectations not that we again we don't uh, put um, let's say lower expectations from the beginning no mm -hmm. um, and we basically every every day try to to exceed those expectations even if it's through hard work i don't know coming up with uh, solutions I don't know, <laughs> everything that we do basically. Because <laughs> um, I'm really, um, it was, uh, and it is, uh, I'm really proud about the fact that uh, we can be proud of our work. I don't know if it makes sense. Mm. I mean, there's not a project that where we didn't do something cool or we exceeded expectations. So I, I, I think that's what the reason why we're here after four years. So, so I imagine it must be easy for somebody to experience that once they're a customer. Like once we, somebody starts doing business with you, like they obviously will hopefully experience that because they're a customer of yours. Like how do you sort of try and get that across before they're a customer? Like how, how do you try and help them to understand what it is that they're buying before they actually get it? that's why I was saying that we're proud of our work and basically we showcase our work. I mean, of course, we have NDAs and stuff like that. Uh, we don't give them names, but uh, we can definitely say at any time what we did on that project and how we did it. And, uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, we're trying to solve both parts of the client's uh, problem, what he wants and uh, come up with the solution. So I think that helps a lot also. So over the years that you've been running your business, um, what are the key lessons that you've learned? Like what would, if you was to have a meeting with yourself when you first set up the company, what would be the advice that you would give yourself 
and to help uh, them out a bit better? Uh, the advice to myself, uh, I think it would be prepared to fail, honestly. Uh, I, I wasn't, uh, let's say, uh, very familiar <laughs> with uh, failing. Uh, but um, uh, what I did before was t- totally different in the sense, okay, I was leading uh, uh, bigger teams and stuff like that. But in a way, uh, there uh, I was just a little part of the mm. whole company, right? Mm. So <laughs> when you start your own company, you have much more ways to fail. Uh, and for me, it wasn't easy. Um, I don't know, failing from, I don't know, recruiting a person that uh, you thought it would be uh, a good fit for your company, right? Uh, from, I don't know, uh, a sales pitch, something that, I don't know, you were sure that uh, uh, it was bound to happen. But uh, um, I, never, I don't think I experienced those, uh, those uh, things before, or uh, if I did, mm-hmm. it was at a low, much lower part. Uh, one interesting thing is that, uh, for example, the, uh, in my last company, I also participated in sales pitches and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and actually uh, was able to get more work, for example, or um, I was under the impression that uh, we got the project because uh, I helped a lot. Yeah. But uh, thinking back in the retrospective, uh, there I, I was there as a, I know the the sale was already made, <laughs> kind of. So mm-hmm. they just wanted to see like processes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, here is different. <laughs> you have to do all the parts, uh, and uh, yeah. It's a, but in the same time, uh, um, even if, let's say, in the first uh, half year or year was uh, a, little bit of, uh, a little bit shocking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I get used to it. It gets easier from my point of view. Uh, it's part of the business, I would say. Uh, and it's part of the business because you also learn a lot. Mm. I mean, uh, I think um, having fails but of course not catastrophic fails um, helps you uh, go way more back in retrospective and thinking about how you can improve so it's uh, as i said it's part of the business uh, for me uh, i guess if you're if you're not failing in some way then you're probably not taking any risks and you're probably not growing as an individual like you exactly if, if you just do the same thing you did yesterday then you know you're not really gonna grow in any way. I mean, you kind of need to say, well, I'm going to try this extra little bit, or I'm going to try and do this different thing, you know. Um, and I yeah, think, like, as, you know, if, if you learn from the situation, then you know that's that's fine. Like, I think anyone who expects themselves not to make mistakes is kind of a bit foolish, really. Yeah, well, I, I truly agree, and I, I think I was. I mean, um, it, it was the the thing that the. Uh, the failures were smaller for me, at least. This is how I saw them at that moment. But again, you're not taking any risk if you don't try. 
Mm. I, yeah. I, I found like, you know, I've done plenty of things in the past that haven't worked out. Right. But um, I, often I feel like you learn as much or arguably more from the things that fail than the things that succeed because, you know, <laughs> If, if you learn 10 ways it doesn't work, then you, you, you can say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that <laughs> again. Yeah, and then you're like, well, okay, well, next time I do it, I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, you, you kind of... Yeah, my, my honest belief is that uh, basically if things are going okay, hmm. you don't think that much about the, the things that don't work okay. I'm, hmm. I'm sure there's something that doesn't work perfectly at all. Hmm. Nothing is perfect, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, you don't think that much uh, about it. No. I think in um, the sort of startup world is probably culturally more acceptable to fail, like the kind of failing fast kind of idea and whatever. I think um, when you're constantly trying to validate a hypothesis, you know, I think if I make this, people will do this. You know, I suppose there's, um, it's probably like the culture within those type of businesses is probably a little bit more acceptable to fail than, you know, the kind of big corporates in the world where they don't ever take risks and they just try and do the same thing that they did last year and just make it 1% better. And, you know, if, if they didn't, they did something and made a mistake, it would be the end of the world and they, they feel like they get sacked and, and whatever else. I feel like there's a, there's definitely a sort of spectrum of risk taking ability or, or, or sort of like a, uh, how how much risk I suppose you're prepared to take? Yeah, think, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I think I saw that on other projects that I've been before in, in my career. Like, okay, there was a risk, but it was like uh, I, I I would say way more calculated, like you were saying, right? Like, let's try just to do one percent better, right? Not yeah. twenty or fifty percent better. To do twenty or fifty percent better. You have to take a big chance with the team, with the with everything, right? Mm. <laughs> you're, you're twice as, or let's say, you're twice as better, right? That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So let's look to the um, uh, the future of your business. Let's talk us through like what are the uh, what are your plans for your for your business? You think maybe I don't know what sort of timescales are you planning? Like one year, three year, five years? You know, what's on your in your kind of plans for your company? Um, so I think, first of all, we're, we're thinking uh, about, uh, let's say, a nearly-based future, first of all, and then we try to, to think about, I don't know, three to five years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think for the, the next year, uh, definitely we want to get new customers and mm -hmm. new uh, hopefully ideal customers mm -hmm. uh, and we're looking to get like three to five uh, from what we're thinking right now uh, also want to increase our staff uh, uh, accordingly, accordingly. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the exact uh, another exciting plan uh, that we have for uh, next year but we started this year is to launch our own uh, product uh, in the AI ML uh, ecosystem mm -hmm. and we just uh, got accepted into a pre-accelerator uh, in uh, Bucharest uh, has a lot of uh, amazing mentors investors mm -hmm. stuff like that and we're really excited to, to be there um, we were um, we are among uh, 10 startup, uh, startups and there were like uh, 
20 startups uh, shortlisted. So mm -hmm. there were two startups for one place. So we're really excited to. Well, congratulations uh, for being accepted. What's the you. name of the accelerator you've been accepted into? Uh, it's called Step Forward. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, created by um, uh, Tech Hub. It's just like the name, a Tech Hub. Uh, yep. Basically, co-working space. Ah, yes, uh, I, I used to go to the Tech Hub in um, yeah, London. 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 Yeah, yeah there, there was yeah. one in Google Campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, used, yeah. I, I had a desk there for I don't know a year or so. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they have uh, one in Bucharest. We actually started from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then we moved uh, since we got uh, a little bit uh, bigger. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be fully online. That's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Uh, we hope we'll have uh, um, constructive feedback, first of all, uh, and uh, help us uh, boost uh, uh, our product. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about the sort of change in strategy from... Um, being a service-based businesses, build business building other people's products to building your, you know, thinking about, we, we now want to build our own products. Like, what was the reason why you decided to do that? Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, we're going to try to maintain uh, our services, basically, mm -hmm. so we're not uh, going to renounce to... Uh, the service that we provide but i think uh, uh, working with uh, startups as we uh, as i mentioned uh, helped us a lot uh, in getting uh, a more um, let's say vast glimpse of what a startup is uh, how to build the product and uh, we want to try to see how uh, it is to build our own uh, own product, uh, not necessarily build others' uh, product. Mm. Want to see if uh, we got uh, what it takes. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, like a new challenge uh, for us. So, what are the um, what are the sort of challenges that you feel are on the horizon as you you know look to grow your business? So it sounds so you said to me you want three to five new customers and you've got this product that you're looking to launch like what are, you know what are the sort of challenges that you you need to you, you foresee having in the next 12 months and what, what are you doing to overcome them uh i don't have uh, uh, 27 to 30 hours per day that's uh, that's the first challenge uh no i'm just kidding no uh, honestly i got better at uh, management managing my time because otherwise uh, uh, I wouldn't see my kids, so uh, that's uh, that. That was a priority. Um, the challenge that I see is the fact that uh, building our own product um, it's relatively new, in the sense that uh, we weren't that much exposed to, let's say, like um, thinking from the scratch. Mm -hmm. I mean. Uh, it was um, really interesting just coming up with the ideas. Like uh, we had like, let's say a call for papers and we tried mm -hmm. to come up uh, with ideas and it was a really interesting process mm -hmm. uh, from, I don't know, looking uh, to see if it's a viable product, if there's a market for it, if you have competitors, if you have, I don't know, what it takes uh, to build that product. Mm 
mm-hmm. uh, thinking about going B2B, B2C or both. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, some of, of this stuff we weren't exposed. Like, for example, we weren't exposed uh, to, let's say, product strategies or uh, sales part, but uh, like... Uh, thinking about where to go for example like where to go b2b or b2c i wasn't exposed to that mm-hmm. for example and yeah. so uh, one of the um, last questions i'd like to ask you about is um if if you were to to get a hundred grand to invest in your business um what would be the areas that you feel perhaps are the ones that you would like to invest in perhaps where are the opportunities in your business to improve that you would use that money to to try and uh, improve honestly uh, in sales and marketing uh, especially in the US if we can afford it even with 100 grand mm-hmm. uh, if not i would um, I would go to Western Europe, let's say. But mm-hmm. uh, thinking in terms of services, in the product, uh, I would need to figure that out. We're still at the beginning. But uh, probably still in sales and, and marketing, to, to be honest, to get more visibility and get more, more customers. So what are you doing at the moment in terms of marketing and selling yourself into, into the US? Um, how, how have you won the customers that you have got at the minute? Um, a lot of work has uh, been gained through recommendations, even if we uh, didn't knew directly the customers, somebody that they work with or uh, somebody has uh, recommended us. Uh, we do try to do uh, marketing and sales. Uh, I don't know where... Um, one thing that happened this year due to coronavirus, for example, we're um, in the um, Romanian Association for Software, mm-hmm. uh, and we're su- we were supposed to go to, let's say, an economic mission to New York, and that, that got cancelled, and there you could meet all sorts of people, make connections, and maybe find the potential clients. So uh, we're both in the Romanian Association uh, for Software in the, and in the Rom- uh, American Romanian Chamber of Commerce, uh, a similar association. Uh, we try to use uh, a lead uh, company, a lead, uh, lead generator company. We have uh, uh, somebody that helps us on marketing and sales. Mm. Uh, we, we were trying, for example, to get our, all our reviews all together. It's taking a while, but it's uh, it's understandable. People are busy and so on. But we we started doing that, and uh, we like to think that uh, our best uh, selling tool is our work, uh, our work uh, that has been done. So. What were, you, what were your experiences working with a lead generation company? Was it a positive one? Is it something you're still doing, or um, we're still doing it, but um, I, I think for them it's really hard to to please all the the customers. Right? Like we're totally different companies there, and they have the same leads basically for everyone. Let's face it. Mm. And uh, there are some projects that uh, can interest us. Some of them just aren't a good fit. 
from a company, why is from technology, why is from money wise for you? So it's the um, it sounds like the majority, or if not all, of your customers have come through sort of networking and referrals rather than any other like the the lead generation companies, or or has that brought you any kind of customers? Yeah. Uh, well, honestly, that hasn't brought us any uh, customer yet. We're hoping to mm. uh, to do that. Uh, we had uh, I don't know conversations from um, let's say the review. Uh, companies like Clutch, for example, when uh, all sorts of uh, websites where you can market your uh, your work. And mm-hmm. we had uh, like, uh, since you're from the UK, we had like uh, several conversations from the UK, which was okay. really nice to to see. Really cool, some really cool ideas from that. So we're almost at the end of our interview. We've just got time for some quick fire questions. So sure. the first of the quick fire questions is your favorite business book. Uh, Chaos Monkey, I would say. That definitely Chaos Monkey. It's, um, uh, you know about the book? No. no? It's uh, Antonio Garcia, if I remember correctly. And basically mm-hmm. the story of a guy building a product and uh, all mayhem around Silicon Valley. And I think it's a, uh, uh, a really good uh, dive into the investors uh, and how you can sell without having anything and it's ju- <laughs> just just crazy uh, just crazy it, and it's really fun and that's what I, I like it seems like a really personal book let's say his own personal experience uh, so next question your favorite quote uh, uh, plenty uh, planning is nothing, planning is everything. I think it's Roosevelt. And I think uh, this is something else that I, uh, that I learned along the way of my career. It's good to, uh, to have a plan, but if you don't uh, change it uh, along the way, um, it's for nothing. And uh, I think I have another one. Uh, it's actually my, one of my former bosses. Uh, she asked me at some point, what did you do about it? <laughs> so uh, that was kind of a, let's say, career change uh, quote, a question. <laughs> what did you do about it? So that was, uh, was really. So uh, your favorite TED talk or uh, something which has inspired you? Uh, I think there are uh, there are a lot of good TED talks, but one that I remember especially, and uh, I was still in school, uh, is one that uh, it's called um, "Do Schools Kill Creativity?" Mm-hmm. and uh, it resonated with me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's one of the, my uh, my first TED talks that I that I saw. I think it's Sir Ken Robinson. Yeah. So, who's inspired you the most in your business? Um, I honestly, I, I don't think I uh, getting uh, talking about creativity and killing it in in school. I never expected to have my own company. I never had, uh, but uh, so I didn't look, let's say, for inspire someone to inspire me in. Uh, mm in business, let's say, but I would say that the people that uh, inspire me to do great work were my family, basically, their work ethic and stuff like that, and I always did 
I try to do my best at my job. So I would say they had, they had a pretty big uh, uh, influence, uh, including the business part. So um, last one, dead or alive, who would you like to have as a mentor in your business? If you could have anyone, who would it be? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I would choose the Steve Jobs, even yeah. if, if he's dead. Uh, just to see if I can work with him. I, I want to see <laughs> if the rumors are true or not. I mean, I think that would be a challenge. And I, I want to see that. And of course, uh, his uh, uh, famous speeches are well known. And it's amazing to, to re-watch uh, some of his uh, presentations. Like the, the iPhone launch. It was like <laughs> crazy. So is there anything that I haven't asked you uh, yet that you would like to share with uh, the audience? Um, I think we went through uh, all, I think I mentioned the product, we're really excited about it and I, I hope to, uh, to move forward with that and uh, speak even more, I don't know, maybe another podcast about the, the uh, ideal customers of the products. <laughs> That would be interesting. Uh, that would be a, another point of view. Let's say. So, has, has your new product got a website yet, or is it still unnamed? Uh, uh, it's named, but we're still working on it. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, if somebody um, has listened to this podcast and would like to get in touch with you, what's the what's the best way of um, of reaching out to you? Uh, the best way would be. Uh, the company's website, qteam.solutions. Uh, and on LinkedIn, I honestly answer on LinkedIn every time. So yeah, it's usually, if not immediately in a couple of hours, I, I tend to, to answer. So, Lovely. I, uh, yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you today. Um, enjoyed, really enjoyed the conversation and I um, look to hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me.